Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy National Punch Day, Joe. And for the avoidance of doubt, I'm talking about the drink, not a random act of physical violence thrown in your general direction. When is the last time you have had a punch? The drink. Probably not since I was a teenager and people were just pouring all manner of leftovers from bottles into a bowl and calling it punch. Delicious. Yeah, it's probably been a while for me too, but now that you've said it, I kind of want some. (laughs) Coming up on today's show, merrily we roll along. It's another poker movie, sort of Monday, not really, recorded on a Wednesday and released on a Thursday. The crux of this week's show is a film called The Adults, written and directed by a member of one of my pandemic poker clubs, Club Quarantine, and starring another member of that club, former guest on this show, Michael Sarah. Uh, not only did I think the poker in this movie was actually pretty good, yeah. but I'm thrilled to be able to talk to the director today because I have a lot of questions about this movie. When we have a poker movie, we normally fixate on the poker scenes because they're normally terrible. Case in point, Blackbird. There's nothing egregious about the poker here. Very much kind of captures the spirit of the type of games that the character is playing in. But I would expect that when you consider that the writer-director is a poker player and the star of the movie is also a poker player. Yeah, absolutely. Like that you've you're like the most nervous during those scenes because you're like please please nail these, uh which I think they did. And um we'll get into more later, but I think they they didn't make the mistake that maybe the card counter made of trying to show hands start to finish. Yeah. Um I think you really get a good idea without that stuff in most movies where poker is the background. Uh let's see. Plus uh the, this movie I guess is going to be the subject of the super fan yes. quiz. And this week's super fan is someone who's who we know? You might recognize their voice. You will certainly recognize their name. More to be revealed later in the show. All right. And we're also into the second week of WCOOP? Third? Week two. Week two of WCOOP. So Howard Swains is back with us. And from what I've seen on social media the past week, uh, there's going to be some familiar names in the highlights as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to get through. With Howard. So I guess we should get through the uh, opening chunk of the show as swiftly as we possibly can. Don't want to eat okay. too much in the, into Howard's airtime too much. All right. Well, first thing I want to address is something that uh, folks may have seen me post about on social media. If you follow me on Twitter or if you're my friend on Facebook you might or, or Instagram, you might have seen me post about this already. But um, I've kind of been working on a weird little project over the last... I don't know, almost two years, I want to say now, that I've only hinted at here or there, and I guess it's time I can finally tell the story of this. Um, Maybe about 18 months ago, two years ago, Owen Lucanen, who uh, used to be a poker reporter, I think used to work for Poker News or maybe Poker Listings or something, Finnish guy, left the poker world to become an author. Uh, And I read the guy's first novel, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, And oddly, side note, he actually... Uh, uses people's names in the poker world as characters in his books, if you guys ever want to check them out. There might be a Hardigan character. I think there is a Stapleton character. Um, anyway, Owen tweeted about 
uh, a fella who was living in Afghanistan was a, uh, an English interpreter who had helped out U.S. forces while they were there and is one of many interpreters who was sort of left in the dust when the U.S. pulled out. And these people are in danger now. Uh, the Taliban is back in control and they're tracking down these people and imprisoning them, killing them, uh, doing really nasty things. And he said, you know, this is uh, this is Khalid. And Khalid helped the U.S. and now he's in big trouble. He doesn't have any money. He ha kind of has to be in hiding. He can't really work. And so I decided that I was going to just take a leap of faith and send Khalid some money. I sent him around 250 U.S. dollars thinking that this would go a long way. And if it was a scam, whatever, it's a small amount of money. I don't really care. Um, Khalid then uh, sent me some photos of his daughter in, a, in her new school uniform. He said she would be able to go to school now. Um, and I felt really good about myself and figured it would be a one-and-done situation. And what ended up happening was, you know, a few months went by and Khalid, he said, I'm really sorry to do this, but, I, you know, I'm, 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 I have no money again. I was wondering if you could help me out a second time, and I did. And I don't remember all the details of everything that went on, but basically he then said, hey, man, I'm going to start looking at ways to try to get out of Afghanistan. I'm going to start uh, applying for visas, various countries. And I had, a, I had a, a reckoning with myself and said, man, if this guy can get into the U.S., would I put my, put my real effort would I let this guy live with me? Would I let this guy and his family live with me? And I went to my girlfriend and I asked her about that and I could tell she was a little unsure, but I had kind of decided that this is something I would do. Luckily, that never ended up having put me to the test because he said it was very difficult to get into the U.S. visa-wise, but he applied for a student visa in the U.K. And a few months later, he told me he was accepted. Uh, he was accepted for student visa in the UK and he got accepted to the University of Kent. And now his sort of request for money started ramping up. Um, and uh, I, I had, you know, spent a decent amount already. And he asked for a big chunk at this point. I think that like the school application fee, I think it was something for, for the UK visa it was like 1600 pounds or something. And, this is when you guys might have remembered. I took to social media. I think it was in Monte Carlo, maybe of this year. Yes. That I, on one of my breaks, I went on social media and just said, "Hey guys, if anyone in the community, I can't a hundred percent prove who this guy is." Now, granted, I was sending money to a Western Union in Afghanistan. It has to be to the name and and address of the person that I'm giving it to because they need their passport to pick it up. So I had seen his passport, a copy of it at least. I had seen his like US interpreter ID or very good forgeries. When you brought this up in Monte Carlo, Joe, and look, I'm as cynical and pessimistic as anyone. And you showed me the communications you were having with him. You showed me the stuff that he was sending you. Of course, there's always going to be that niggling doubt on the back of your mind. Am I being scammed here? Is this legit? Is this genuine? And understandably, you want to think the best of people and you want to think this is real and that you're actually helping someone. But from everything that we were looking at, I think we both reached the same conclusion. This is either legit or this is one of the best orchestrated, perfectly forged scams of all time. And then you realize the effort that you would need to put into that to get what in the grand scheme of things is not a huge amount of money means the pendulum was definitely swinging towards this being genuine because you would only, 
only go to that effort to create that level of a, a con if you were going to hit a big score at the end. And there was no big score here. There was no big score, but some of the warning signs... Now, I've been scammed before, and some of the warning signs were there. One was that the money was escalating. Like, every time it was a slightly bigger, bigger figure, right? And every time it was, oh, hey, this is all I'm going to need. Like, this is it. This is the last time, I promise. And uh, and so I did involve other people in that one just because it was at a time where I didn't really have the money and have the ability to send it. Lots of people came through um, and sent small amounts of money. We ended up getting more than we needed. I sent it all to him. Um, and yeah, so I was a little bit worried. But to your point, James, this would have been a very difficult thing uh, to to have been a scam um, or, or a lot of effort. So that happened. And that was the, the time that he said it was going to be the, the last thing. And I knew it couldn't possibly be true. So then what ended up happening was once we got, we got the school fees in, then he needed to travel to Pakistan because you can't get a UK visa in the, in, in Afghanistan. There's right. no embassy there. So he had to go to Pakistan and literally wait there, um, for the visa to be ready. Uh, which takes, as you know, when you're waiting for something like that, it takes anywhere from like five to like 30 days. So, he had to travel to Pakistan, get his visa, and when he got back, then he was like, "Hey, I know I said this was going to be the last time. I need a plane ticket now. I need I, I." And he was telling me, "Look, things are starting to get very dangerous here. They're they're closing in on me. They're going door to door. They're looking um, for me." And so all of these things also are exactly the way scams happen too. The scam is always a ticking clock. It's always a hey, there's a there's a reason this needs to be done quickly. Um, at this point, I tried to buy the plane ticket for him directly uh, because that made me feel a little bit better. Oh, one thing I should mention is one of the times I tried to pay for something directly for him, um, it, it wasn't working when I was trying to send the school fees. Um, it, to pay something on a UK credit a UK account with an American credit card yeah. for a guy in Afghanistan, my bank was just not having it. So I had to send him cash yet again. Um, but in doing that, I asked him to give me access to his email. He gave me the, his email address and the password, and I logged in to try to pay this myself, and I saw all the correspondence from the University of Kent. So again, if this was a scam, he went to a lot of work to send himself a bunch of emails from an official-looking email address. So um, long story short... We got him the plane ticket. I left him a care package in London with some... I was going to go clothes shopping for him. And I realized, wait, I can just give him gift cards. He can shop for himself. He doesn't need me to, like, pick out shoes for him. He can... You know, I'm sure he's probably never been in a store like <laughs> like M&S before or like, like Primark. So uh, I got him some Primark gift cards and some... Uh, I, I've, doesn't matter. Anyway, here's the good news. He made it to the UK... He made it to the University of Kent. He's still a little bit stressed out because um, now he needs to find a job because I, you know, I gave him some cash as well to get him started on groceries and stuff. But, you know, stuff's expensive once you once you move out of Afghanistan. Um, I don't think Canterbury is quite as expensive as London, but, you know, the UK is not a cheap country to live right. in these days. So he is sweating it. People have reached out. People have been awesome. It's a happy ending to the story as far as I'm concerned for now. Uh, and they want to help replace the money I've spent. I don't care about that. Um, yes, did I go into a little bit of debt over this? Am I going to be paying off this credit card bill for, for a couple of months? Yes, that's fine. 
seemed worth it. I was like, dude, time to put your money where your mouth is. You want to do some good in this world. You can pay a little bit of interest on these credit cards thing to send this guy the money. However, if people do want to help, I would say get in touch with him directly. Um, I've tagged him on Twitter. I've tagged him on Facebook. Get in touch with him directly if you have a, a job for him, if you have some work for him, or if you just want to throw him a couple of bucks to get him some food while he looks for the job. That's fine with me too. I am hoping, and I, this might be the, the cruelest thing I say through all of this. I, this has been really stressful for me um, over the last you know year and a half or so. Worrying about this fellow, worrying about if it's a scam, worrying about uh, uh, involving other people. I was waiting to talk about it because I wanted it to be able to definitively say, hey, this human being was legit and yeah. here's a happy ending and here's a picture of him at University of Kent. I put up some photos of him in London um, and, and some photos of his of his student ID and his, and his visa to be in the UK. So if people do want to help now, I would love that. But please get in touch with him directly because I can't lose any more sleep over this. <laughs> well, moving on, Joe, and talking about happy endings to stories, what is happening in Vegas at the World Series of Comedy? Okay, I'm. It's not a happy ending yet. So, okay, it, as as I reported on the show, I've I played a couple of satellites for the World Series of Comedy, and I did not win either satellite. But my scores were high enough to get me into the wild card round here in Las Vegas to make the top one hundred and one. Uh, they had over 800 people participate in this competition. So I made it into the top 101. I came out to Vegas where the wildcard round was 45 people. Um, and I was one of six people who made it through uh, from the round of 45 into the next round. And that's where we're at right now. Today at 6 p.m., I'm in officially in round two of the competition where it's a round of nine people. Um, who and two of them will get through. Uh, if I make it through that, I believe I will again be in a round of nine people where two people get through. Then I'll be in a round of six people where two people get through. Uh, sorry, where one person gets through. And then I'll be in the top three. So there's still several days to go in the World Series of Comedy. It is not unlike the World Series of Poker where it is a very long event. I got here on Sunday... And the finals are on Saturday. If I happen to make the top three, I'll be performing Saturday. If I don't get through today's round, I will be home tonight. It is such an absurd concept, though, because it must be so supremely subjective. It is subjective, but the way they do it is there are like four or five judges uh, who are in the industry um, so one of them is the manager of the Laugh Factory in Chicago. One of them is the manager of the lo of the oldest comedy club in Indiana. Um, and so these are people that are used to seeing comedians. And the point of this is to find maybe not the funniest person, but the person that they think will get booked the most, uh, right. that will, will get the most work out of this. And so um, there's like four or five judges. There's an audience participation aspect to it people in the audience are encouraged to vote so but yes it is quite subjective i did just to toot my own horn slightly two people got, so in the in the round of 45 i was in I, my heat actually only had 15 comics in it and i was the overall top vote getter so i finished number one uh in that particular heat i'm hoping that uh because there's only nine in the second round that i'll have a slightly easier time although they will be winners of previous rounds so of the competition might be a little bit tougher but mathematically being uh, in the top two of nine is a little bit easier than 15 so I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty hopeful that I get through today also. Good luck, Joey. We're all counting on you. Thanks, um, pal. Before we talk WCOOP, few PSAs. Um, as ever, we invite you to join the PokerStars Discord server. There is a link in the podcast description. You can talk about the podcast. Uh, you can apply to be a super fan. You can talk about the Mystery Cash Challenge, which continues to drop new episodes every weekend on the PokerStars YouTube channel. Saturdays is when that publishes. Episodes one and two already out there. Episode three will go live this weekend. Meanwhile, UKIPT London is happening right now. I was at the Hippodrome last night for a invitational staff tournament, and there is a charity event tonight. But the primary focus for us right now is what's happening in the online streets. Yes, the 2023 World Championship of Online Poker continues, and it has been a whole seven days since we checked in on the series. Quick reminder, we will be streaming the final table of the Super High Roller next Wednesday. That's the 27th of September. And we'll be streaming the last three days of the main event. That's the 2nd to the 4th of October. Interestingly, our WCOOP correspondent will feature on those broadcasts, and he's with us right now. He's got the looks, he's got the brains, he's Howard Swayze. Hello, Howard. Hello, James. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, buddy. So, as ever, a good place to start, Howard, is the series stats. So, we're, what, two and a bit weeks in now? Because this is the second full week of the series? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just deal in uh, in numbers. Days don't mean anything to me. Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, we have got uh, 131 tournaments completed. Uh, and you know what? That means 366,000 entries so far. We have had prize pools of $34.5 million. And first prizes so far of $5.5 million. Uh, yep, and we're not even, uh, well, we're not even halfway. No, we're not. I was going to say, hearing the number of tournaments, there's still a lot of poker to be played. I know you found this a hard question to ask last week. Ask yourself last week. What is the biggest headline of the last seven days? Well, we all wear our red spades uh, for very proudly, and so we should talk about that, I suppose, shouldn't we? Uh, Tonka, Team Pro. We have a Team Pro WCOOP winner for nice. this year. Yep. Uh, Tonka won Parker Talbot to his mother. Uh, he won the <laughs> 10K Super Tuesday High Roller last week. Uh, yeah, so there's 79 entries in that, and it was for $213,000. At the time, it was the biggest prize that uh, had been awarded uh, to that point in WCOOP. Uh, yeah, first Team Pro title of the year. It was super tough, obviously. Uh, he beat Sergey Reichsach at the death. Um, that was uh, second title potentially for Sergey, but... Um, yeah. Tonka beat him. Uh, Talbot now has three WCOOP wins, actually, uh, but that's his first one for this year, obviously. On the same night, Sam Grafton actually uh, came pretty close. Uh, he has never won a uh, WCOOP title, but he came fourth in a 3K7 max PKO. Oh. Uh, he was up against Simon Matson, unfortunately. C. Darwin, two, and uh, Matson won that one. Uh, he won his third career WCOOP. He won two last year, actually. And then uh, on Sunday, we had another good uh, team pro performance from uh, Rafa Moraes, GM Valta. Uh, he finished second in the 530 deep stack. Um, and he lost to a, a scoop winner that we know, a guy called Suspicious 
cat. Uh, so Maurice was <laughs> chip leader overnight, uh, but he, he, he so he really narrowly missed out on his first first title. But he finished second behind that to Cat. It's good to let let Tonka have the uh, the red spade spotlight for for one week. <laughs> well, I would highlight as well that Lex has had a few final tables as well, and I know that because obviously he's streaming on his own channel on Twitch, but also Nick Walsh has been doing some streams on the Central Twitch channel, and a couple of those have featured Lex. One of those streams featured guest of this podcast, Chris Stragalis, Strag, director of online poker experience at PokerStars, was the guest commentator on one of those streams. But moving on from people within the PokerStars universe... um, You referenced at the top of the show, Joe, that we've seen some stuff on social media. So we have been exposed to a few spoilers, Howard. For example, I see Benny Glazer has won a second (laughs) WCOOP of the series. He was a double champ last year as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, and more than that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we talked last week, didn't we, that uh, Benny's always certain to be uh, to be doing incredibly well in, in WCOOP, and lo and behold, he already has won two, uh, two titles, but there are actually five double champions already uh, this five? year. Yeah, five. Uh, you probably, we had none this time last week, did we? But we now have five. You've probably heard of almost all of them. Uh, so Benny, yep. Connor Drynan. Heard of him. Dennis Strebkov. I definitely heard of him. Sure. <laughs> and Rui Ferreira. Uh, the only player we don't know much about goes by the name of Nyla Weiner or Nyla Winner, however you want to pronounce it. But uh, yes, yeah, so to, to just quickly talk about all of them. So Benny, as you've talked about here, he's been doing a lot of tweeting himself, but he's now up to 20 coupes. So 10 each in W coupe and scoop. And that's puts him ahead in the kind of combined scoop leaderboard, if there was such a thing. But Dennis Strebkov, Adrenaline 710, he still actually leads in W coupes because his second win this uh, this year puts him up to 11. Uh, so, uh, so, so, wait, Benny, so, Benny, so Benny had it for a second, right? Was did Benny get the uh, the tenth win before uh, Dennis had his eleventh? I got yeah, that's putting me on the spot. I think they did it on the same night. Actually, I'm pretty sure that oh, wow. Dennis went up to eleven, and on the same night that Benny went to ten. But I'm not 100 percent sure. Benny that, got but... spinal tapped by Strebkov. yeah i mean it's still obviously far from over but interestingly both of them so benny and strebkov both got one of the world championships so uh benny got the world championship of deuce to seven triple draw strebkov was in horse so that's pretty good for those two uh yeah and Let's uh, Connor Drynan. It's pretty interesting to talk about him. Blanco Negro. Uh, he usually does most of his best work in scoop, uh, but this time he's obviously decided to play something in the autumn. Uh, he won an eight game and a five card PLO. Uh, all the mixed games you'll notice, with the exception of Rui Ferreira. So he's a no limit hold'em specialist, uh, and he's won two uh, hold'em events. One of them was five hundred and fifty uh, no limit hold'em, but then he also won the eleven dollar limit hold'em this time i mean that that's frankly a, ri- <laughs> a ridiculous tournament uh and he got one thousand five hundred and eighty nine dollars for that uh but he has eight w coops now so rui portuguese based in brazil we've talked about him before and then and then this guy this uh, player nilo nilo winner um know nothing about them they're based in the uk another mixed game player actually they won a 215 dollar horse and a one case stud high low so uh yeah perhaps a a, a, a challenger there to the kind of uh, benny and uh, tobias Lexus, yeah. all of those kind of uh, mixed game specialists when you mentioned sam being denied a w coupe c darwin 
Simon Matson won a title. So I'm guessing we're still seeing names that we recognise, familiar faces, winning trophies this series. Yeah, tons of them actually. Uh, Tobias Lechnis, I just mentioned him, but he's now yeah. he won one. He went. He's gone up to ten W coupes. Uh, Yuri Nerd guy. Uh, he's got. He's been. He won one title. And he's been runner up three times. Wow. Then, I mean, I can just go through. There's a who's who: David Yan, Pedro Padilla, Andre Marcus, David Baker. That's David Bakes Baker. Kelvin Kerber, Nicholas Astet, Lena, Alexander Raymond. We saw him at the PCA final table. Pablo Brito, Andras Nemeth, Roman Hrabic, Patrick Leonard. So all of those have won titles so far. Uh, but the biggest win, actually, uh, so beating Tonka, uh, came in the 10K high roller, which was sort of part of the, the high version of the Sunday Million this week. Player called Star Wins, and then a smiley face emoji, uh, yeah, won no $228,000 in that one from Denmark. Wow. So... There's the leaderboards that we always look at. We'll come to player of the series in a moment. Let's talk country's leaderboard. Are Brazil still underperforming, Howard? <laughs> well, I think I think technically they probably are. They've had 29 winners, so it's a little less than a quarter, but maybe that is underperforming. I don't know. But I did see something that I don't think I've ever seen before. So if anyone wants uh, to kind of like have a chuckle, uh, the uh, WQ15L, it was the 109 Super Tuesday event, and every single one of the top nine was from Brazil. So ah. that's literally the entire final table was Brazilians. Uh, a, a player called SADADA1, Sadada1. I have never seen that though before. It's just it's just all Brazil flags. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, 15L if you want to have a look at that. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Brazil are up to 29, uh, UK have got 15, Austria 8, Ukraine 8, Finland 6, Mexico 6. We also had a first ever win for Aruba, uh, and that is now 79 total countries in WCOOP history who have won titles. Uh, so Bolivia and Aruba for the first time this year. And as far as player of the series is concerned, are we looking at a two-horse race between Benny and Denis Trebkov? Uh, funnily enough, no. Uh, as oh. we always always happens at this time, you know, there's there's all these other kind of players that are just picking up caches, caches, caches around the place. So Benny is leading. Benny is leading okay. overall, and he is second in the high uh, the high leaderboard. Uh, and Yuri Nerd guy is leading in the in the high leaderboard. But then there's his player Foul first, F A L first, uh, second overall, and leading the low. This player is based in Thailand. We always seem to talk about them in the player mm -hmm. of the series race. Scoot player of the series, they were a contender, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're always there and thereabouts. Uh, they won the 1K limit 08 this time and have two further runner-up finishes and play a lot of like low buying stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it tends to kind of fall away a little bit, but, you know, there or thereabouts. So the top five in the overall is uh, is Benny, then there's Fal first, then there's Kelvin Kerber, then there's Patrick Leonard, of course, and then there's Rui Ferreira, of course. Uh, there's... Um, so uh, Benny's got 810 points and Fell first has 800. Then there's a bit of a drop off to 755 for Kelvin Kerber. But yeah, you know, <laughs> I feel like I say this all the time, a long way to go there. And, uh, you know, yeah. with caches, deep runs, uh, you know, you can pick up a lot of points just by continually making deep runs. And um, that's what all these guys always do. 
Well, you got me excited to start streaming WCOOP next week, Howard. Looking forward to getting into the championship streets next Wednesday when we stream that Super High Roller final table. So just to be clear, we're recording the podcast next Thursday, and we will talk to you then. But we will talk to you the day before that, because we'll talk to you on the stream on the Wednesday. Good but stuff. For now, I will see you then. Thanks very double much. Double dose of Howard next <laughs> week. Yes. <laughs> double the Howard, double the fun. All right. I look forward to it. Speak to you soon. Okay, time for us to get into the meat and potatoes of this week's podcast. It is one of our signature Poker Movie Mondays on a Wednesday, released on a Thursday, but not our usual scene-by-scene review. Instead, we're going to discuss the film with the guy who made it. So please welcome to the podcast the writer and director of The Adults, Dustin DeFay. Dustin, welcome. Thank you. I'm I'm so happy to be here. This is awesome. We're happy to have you, too. First of all, I just got to say, I know this isn't like your first movie, but congratulations on making a movie. Um, <laughs> it is so difficult to... I know what goes into making this podcast every week, and we have every resource imaginable, and it's just an hour of audio. So what does it take to make a movie these days? Oh, man. I mean, it's funny, you know, because, you know, over the last, I don't know... 15 years or something or whatever, 10 years. It's, I mean, in, in theory, it's gotten easier because, uh, you know, equip, I mean, you know, equipment and it, it, you can, you can make a movie for, you know, a very small amount of money. My, my first movie, you know, I did make for like $17,000 and a lot of people who are successful right now did make their movies, you know, for that, for that amount of money. Um, but all that said, like the, I think the, like the last, it feels like the last five years or so it's gotten a lot harder um, money, the money is just sort of more difficult to get. Um, so there's the money part, the finance, which is always usually like in some ways the hardest part, um, making sure, you know, the money comes in. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard and it's also, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally spent a lot of time, um, hoping and a lot of time writing and, you know, I've written a lot of scripts that don't get, you know, I, a lot of things just don't get made. So sometimes it's sort of like an abstract job of like hoping and like build, building something that will never get made. That happens a lot too, but it's right now. Yeah. It's very, very hard to get a movie made. If that's what it feels like. So for if uh, all the things that you have, like in the hopper, things you've written, were you surprised that this is the one that was the thing that broke through of all the stuff? Well, the, when I when I when I really look hard at it though, I, I there there happens to be like a, a almost like a when I'm actually writing something or or start to or even when I finish a script. I, actually, when I finish a script, usually there ends up being a feeling, and especially when other people start reading it, there ends up being a feeling like, oh, this is a I'm going to make this. Like I, I I'm going to go I'm going to go get this. I'm this is the thing I'm going to make, and I'm going to and then my focus sort of just like hones in and then i'm just sort of like um getting it made i'm making it happen so um on this one you know when i wrote this one was a little bit funky because like i wrote a draft that we we almost did shoot and so um it it wasn't it it was that feeling but the feeling became even bigger after that after like the first little draft fell apart that we didn't make that movie then then the when i when i wrote this other draft that's really where everything sort of took off and where my where i really had this huge feeling like oh we are actually going to make this movie 
So let's talk about the cast a little bit and our sort of association. We play in a home game together or did play before I ended up getting super busy again. Club quarantine is uh, and Michael, Sarah, obviously was a member of that game and was uh, did you have a pre-existing relationship with Michael and that's how he came to be in the game or did your friendship blossom during this game? Um, yeah, no, I had, I had, um, so I, I met Michael when I made another movie called person to person and I hardly knew Michael at that point, but we made, we made another movie together that I directed. Um, but, and then, and then after making that movie, we became friends, um, and, uh, became closer. Um, and did that, we actually did play a little poker, um, off and on during that time period, but yeah, it was, it was this Zoom poker group, uh, Club Quarantine, that um, that happened because of COVID. That um, I got further, I got deeper into poker. But yeah, I, I invited Michael uh, into that group, um, and then you know, and then and then and then sort of like my relationship with Michael in terms of poker became deeper. Like we had we had played a little bit of poker, but um, together, and he had he had played poker in his life. Um, off and on but it was when he when he did molly's game he got deeper and, and then it got even more deeper during club quarantine because like he and i would um he and i would uh like play the game and then like if we you know oftentimes after the after the game we would actually talk about it and what went wrong or what went right we so, would like this and we would and we discuss the players and everything my key question, Dustin, is whether any of the actual poker hands or any of the players in the game are in any way influenced by that poker game because there is a hand where Eric suffers a brutal bad beat or as we call it, he gets stapletoned. And I just wondered <laughs> if any of the kind of misfortunes that Joe went through during that era of lockdown poker games in any way informed the narrative of these poker games. <laughs> Not, not, not specifically, not the like, I mean, but not the, not the hands themselves, but like the definitely like, I don't, I think when you, for me, when I got deeper into poker and started thinking about it more and studying it a little bit, I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a great player or anything. I'm just sort of decent. Um, but when I started getting deeper in thinking I was better and in fact, feeling, I mean, I feel like I'm decent enough. And in that group, I feel like I'm pretty decent. So the feeling of what a bad beat is became like to have a, the feeling of the, to have a true feeling of bad beat, you have to feel like you're good enough and that something went wrong. And, um, and that feeling was definitely something I wanted to capture, like truly capture the bad beat kind of feeling. I think it's like a, it's part of the game and it's part of learning and it's part of figuring out how to, I mean, if you can, like, I don't know, it's hard to not, I, I've gotten much better. And like, when I get a bad beat, I'm like, I, I quickly try to, you know, snap my brain into like, oh, okay, that's poker. That's, that's going to happen to every single person, no matter how good you are. Um, yeah. But while in the learning process, I still have the feeling though, I still have the bad beat feeling, but I'm, I'm able to manage it better and be sort of be okay with it. But during the club quarantine days, a bad beat would really actually upset me. And I'd be, I'd be sort of upset for a couple of hours. And um, I wanted to deal with that. I wanted to deal with that. I, in this film, I did want to deal with that feeling of the, of the bad beat. Yeah. I think, I mean, you 
encapsulated his reaction perfectly to what we're all thinking most of the time. And it seems like Eric specifically has a hard time knowing when to quit. Um, you know, whether it's how often he plays poker, whether it's a bit he's doing or a bad joke he's making and he doesn't know. So that, so you did a great job of, of capturing the feeling we all have and then applying it to a character who we maybe can't always relate to as much. I guess I, that's kind of where I wanted to go with my next question as far as how poker, um, relates to this movie was, um, Using poker as a device to show you how like how how impulsive and compulsive Eric can be, was that your plan all along for Eric, or is that just like a happy coincidence that you happen to discover poker? You know, become sort of e deeper into poker while you're writing this. Um, yeah, it, you know, like that that original draft that I was speaking about didn't have poker. I mean, I mean oh, this cool. this other draft, this other draft that we were thinking of shooting and possibly going to shoot that we didn't, um, thankfully, um, was like 90% different than this, this movie. Like I completely overhauled 90% of the whole thing. And, and one of those things was poker. And in fact, I think poker was in, a, in many ways, the unlocking of the script, I think in some ways, because what ended up happening was that, and, and it was because of this, this Zoom poker group that I had gotten deeper into poker and my relationship with Michael talking about poker. Really, that's, that, I mean, it would have happened, this movie wouldn't have, or maybe this movie wouldn't even exist without that. Cool. Because I think that, I think this movie needed that aspect to it. But, but the, yeah, what ended up happening was that the poker really unlocked the character and the script for me, where I had this other, I had this, in, you know, this perfect device, um, that was a you know in the film it's about this person who has sort of stopped um playing with or having any kind of imagination or like an unwillingness to um participate in this childhood world with his sisters while at well now he has this other kind of place where he can play this adult more adult world where he feels like he can have some kind of control or some kind of power and i think he, you know when he was young i think he had control and power and like he he was sort of like the king of that sort of world with them and and now he's in with with the poker he's like he it's a sense of like comfort and like some kind of control um which is where the bad where where bad beats come into play. Where like if you if you think you have control on this game, look out! Here comes, you know, here comes your uh, ace is cracked or something. Yeah, that's okay. That's fantastic. I like that. Um, so, is in talking about this family, I'm maybe moving on from the poker for a second. Um, in talking about this family, um, the sort of games that they play are way more intense, I think, than most people. Um, play even as kids, but especially as adults, you know how deep they get into it. Is this something that comes from something personal from you, or is this something you imagined about just for these fictional characters? Well, it's not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the I you know there's not the the, the backstory. Of this film is not really explained too much. It's sort of just you know it's sort of just it's supposed to be sort of just felt and hopefully relatable if you have siblings and you, or like even as a child, you played with your friends and had a different kind of world or you had vo played voices or those kinds of things. I actually experienced this quite a yeah. bit. Like when I go home and friends want to bring yeah. up old games or old bits that we used to do. And I'm like, or my brother, he's like, remember we used to do this. And I'm kind of like, ah, it, it, it sort of makes me uncomfortable almost 
to, to experience those things. That's what you're going for, right? Yeah. Going for that. But also there's a, the reason why it's, you know, it's, I, I mean, like when they were children, I do, it wasn't intense. I think it was actually quite beautiful and incredible, but like, because of the loaded nature of these, of the relationships, especially between Eric and his sister, Rachel, um, it's, a, it's just sort of, it's, it's full of, it's full of, uh, anim, you know, like just sort of a tension between the two of them and an inability to like express some kind of love or just trying to even express uh, sadness about like that, that world sort of going away. So everything, you know, when they're, when they're trying these things on um, that used to be their child itself, like you said, when you go back home, it's sort of like an awkward fit. It's just, you can't put it back. Like you can't put the childhood mask back on. You can't put those clothes back on. You can't put that character back on. And this film are, you know, really trying to, it's just a, whenever they try, it's just sort of not fitting, but also there's another part of it where the unwillingness to try or the unwillingness to, to go there together is also part of it. And, and in fact, the film gets into a place later on where they're like, sort of like this, this, this big scene, you know, in the, in this backyard at this party is like, sort of like, uh, like a funeral or something, or it's like burning, it's like burning the characters in a, in a fire or something. It's like killing them off, but it's also like using their adult, like the, it's like using adult, tension and putting it into you know using using something that was once beautiful using these like pure whatever you want to call them childhood selves um but using them in in adult arguments is like a, a like a harsh mix that really usually shouldn't you know wouldn't occur yeah so i guess you may be the sort of filmmaker that doesn't want to answer a question like this so my, my real question about their backstory is this sort of like almost dissociating that they do when they have to talk about something uncomfortable is their background their childhood is it like the normal sort of stressful traumatic childhood or did something really terrible happen to them that made them you know dive this deep into imagination. It's almost like the characters they've created and their kind of routines were a form of escapism. There's a feeling yeah, that something right. really bad yeah. was going on during their childhood. I never thought, I mean, we didn't talk, I mean, I, I didn't think about that their childhood was necessarily that bad. Um, I mean, I think it was escapism for sure. But yeah. I think, the, mo I think the, the most important part for me and the way we developed it was, was that, I mean, like, was was it was actually like an expression of sort of what it, you know i think in in a lot of movies you know things are explained a lot and they're explained in movie terms but like i i part of this was expressing that actual feeling of like of loving of loving your sibling in a way that i mean the love that you used to have as a, with your sibling is so it's so it's so it could, it's you know it can be so intimate and amazing and powerful when you were children and now as adults it's like the sadness of it not being there and so the and the tension and the awkwardness of of knowing that person so well but now you're sort of distant and strangers just that feeling is is the is really the expression of the thing and so um so even if even if yeah the, that that feeling that you're talking about which is really really intense i actually think a lot of people actually live that and it's sort of a silent it's sort of a silent really like um uh a relationship and where things cannot be expressed because you've it, it's almost too sad to express it the right. loss yeah. of that kind of 
to the loss of that childhood and the loss of that imaginative world, the loss of that, the loss of that great love that is completely different than all the other love that you have, you know, when you're an adult. Yeah, I could really relate to that, especially it's so sad that when people try to remind you of it, that you almost get angry with them. I I could absolutely sort of relate to it. It's it's easier not to think about it. It's easier not to remember it almost. Um, That, that, that definitely all came through. Uh, I just so if I can just compliment again, uh, I think that you did a really great job of capturing little awkward life moments too that we all go through, just like normal little snapshots, like a scene that really stuck with me. I don't know if it does with you or not, but when they're waiting for the other sister in the parking lot outside the diner, and he's like, "Oh, is that her?" and it's not like that's just such a thing that like we don't see that in movies. We don't see that little moment of you know, just waiting around and wanting it to be that person. And when is this person going to get here? I just, from from the very beginning, like him setting up in the hotel room, all of that was just like, I really felt in it. I really felt like I was a part of this. And I think you did a great job. And I, I guess, um, did you find shooting the poker scenes to be challenging at all? It seems like you did it in such a way that they, you you missed a lot of the, sort of mistakes that people make by not well, trying to show the entire scene. I think it also probably helps the fact that you knew the game, Dustin, because it is something that notoriously directors who maybe are not au fait with, with poker really struggle with. They find it, that they reportedly found it really hard to cover it and ex- show the audience what's happening and get the key information out there. I mean, it's hard. It is hard. I mean, it's really, really hard to convey the information. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was hard because, uh, I mean, it was hard just, um, just in a practical sense because like the prop person didn't know poker and that became like a, that already that is something that's like really, really hard because, um, like, you know, the prop people have to like reset the chips, reset the cards. And when they, and then when the cards are dealt, the right cards have to come out. I mean, it gets really, I mean, it gets more, I mean, it gets so complicated. It's incredible to try to recreate games over and over again and quickly. Um, I did it. I, I'm on card counter. I I did that. That was my job to set the decks to make sure all when all the players had to pull their chips back. You know, we had a very small okay, crew on yeah, that yeah. one as well. It's it's really uh, very difficult. But I think the way you chose to do it is perfect because things aren't perfect in these home games. They're not perfect in the warehouse underground game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, yeah, imagine, yeah. And imagine if you didn't know, if you hadn't known, like I'm I'm trying to direct the actors and everything, but like if the prop person doesn't, you know, the prop person not knowing poker, not even knowing, like, trying to really understand it was really just like a big challenge. We were trying to just, but look, luckily also Michael was there to like, he was also resetting things too, because he, you know, like it just needed, we needed, we were the only two people in the room who knew poker. So it was like really, really crazy to sort of reset. But like, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I will also say this, that I, um, I, uh, I mean, I, we, we really set out to like, um, part, it's, it's quite hard because I don't, because Part of it is like if an audience, if the audience doesn't know poker, um, what are they going to get? Like you have to keep them there. You have to keep them in the movie, you know, and you're not going to unless you're going to teach them, hold them very quickly in some kind of way, which is not which is not easy to do. I mean, to even to understand the game on even on just like a small level, I mean, you can say it very quickly, but it's also a learned sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I found in this film in particular, it wasn't it wasn't too much about like 
getting even the poker players who watched the movie to understand the hands too much. It's basically just like to understand the feeling of like winning and losing. Absolutely. And going through and going through that. That was like the main thing is like, what does it feel like to what does it feel like to be in the game to to debate your to debate what to do and to lose or win? And I think that definitely came across and I, I really appreciate you appreciate appreciate you not pandering with the the big final hand where it's not four of a kind against a straight flush it's a simple one pair against a higher pair and it's yeah. a, a huge hero <laughs> call that he has to make and it's yeah. like <laughs> as a poker fan you appreciate how big a call that is on that board and michael Serra's yeah. reaction that kind of like fist pump but also get it quietly don't rub it in the other guy's face it was just all there in that moment and then of course yeah. We then get the kind of moral of the story, which is be careful about playing in underground games because you don't know who you're going to meet in the car park. Yeah, I thought that we well, if we could, uh, coming from Poker Stars, uh, Dustin, the fact that this is a great advertisement for safe, legal, regulated poker. I mean, that's also, we couldn't be happier with this. Yeah. Um, however, I think it's fair to say that there are other films that maybe have not captured poker as authentically and accurately and i believe joe you have a test for our guest that's right i don't know if you know dustin it's a tradition on this game that we do a, like a bit of a trivia at the okay, end okay. and it's easy it's not meant to embarrass you or put you on the spot really this is right. a this is a trivia game about how poker scenes went in other movies Oh, no. Um, okay. To, uh -oh. To, to, to test your movie knowledge of other poker scenes, uh, they're all multiple choice. So at the very least, you've got like a one in four chance. Really, it's a one in three chance, okay? Because usually there's like one very Joke. wrong answer. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. So here we go. Question number one. In the movie, which card, excuse me, in the movie Maverick, which card does Brett Maverick draw to make the final winning hand? Is it the ace of spades to make a royal flush? Is it the ace of spades to make four aces? Is it the ace of spades to make five aces? Or is it the ace of spades to make motorhead? I'm gonna go with B. Ace of spades to make four aces was, uh, was, the, was the trick answer, not the joke answer, but the trick oh. answer. He pulls the ace of spades to make a royal flush. It's as simple as that in the movie Maverick. You didn't go there um, for the better. That was much, my second choice. Much for the better, yes. <laughs> I almost picked that. Uh, question number two. In the movie Lucky You, the main character folds aces in order to throw the final game. In which other poker movie does the exact same thing happen? <laughs> Is it Shade... Deal, Mississippi Grind, or Rounders? This is this could be very shameful because, like you know, uh, this could be very shameful because if it's Rounders, I'm in big trouble. Um, Remember, I, the fourth yeah. answer is never a realistic option. <laughs> and all I'm going to oh, say is, that what's is happening if, here? Oh, if you, yes. If you oh. if you haven't seen this movie, don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. <laughs> oh. Because I was going to say Mississippi Grind, but I thought people liked that movie. Mississippi um, Grind is very good. Okay, so what do you, I don't know what the other two movies are. That's Shade crazy. and Deal. So I'll give you a hint. Shade is with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Deal is with Burt Reynolds. That's a hint? <laughs> That's a little more information. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go Deal. 
Yes. Deal is correct. Yes. The, the deal has the exact wow, same I'm, ending as Lucky You. I have not heard of those movies, those two movies. Wow. I think it's probably good you haven't seen all these terrible poker scenes because yours were good. Uh, question number three. In the movie Casino Royale, what hand does James Bond make a straight flush with? Is it four six of spades, four five of spades, five seven of spades, or jack four offsuit? I'll go C. Correct! Five seven of spades, you're two for three, Dustin. Okay, okay, this one I assume that you've seen. Here we go. In the movie Molly's Game, Michael Sarah's player X gets the worst player in the hand to fold, excuse me, gets the worst player in the game to fold what hand? Does he get him to fold the nuts, the second nuts, ace high, or a gin rummy? Must be the nuts. He does, he gets a player to fold the nuts. You've only missed one, Dustin, you were freaking out. You've only missed one. One more and you're guaranteed a win, I believe. Okay, <laughs> this one you probably haven't seen. So this might be tough, but the movie <laughs> Poker Face, directed by and starring Russell Crowe, features just one poker hand. How did that hand end? Did it end in a bad beat, someone losing the keys to their Porsche, a chop pot, or all of the above? I'll say keys to the Porsche. Keys to the Porsche. Incorrect. Believe it or not, it was a chop pot. Somehow, it was a chop ev <laughs> everyone never loves a chop pot. The only hand of poker in the movie, <laughs> and it's a chop pot. I will say, though, a chop pot was probably the most interesting end to that hand. I was, I was concerned about where that scene was going, and a chop pot I thought was actually kind of clever. All right. Question number six of seven. In the movie, a big hand for the a little lady. The entire premise of the movie is based on the fact that if you can't match a bet, you lose. What is this insane quirk called? Is it Western rules, cowboy rules, homestead rules, or O'Doyle rules? Wow. How about Western rules? Western rules is correct. Dustin, you've guaranteed yourself a win. One question left to go here. In the movie, The Cincinnati Kid, Steve McQueen's full house, aces full of tens, is beaten by a queen high straight flush in which suit? Is it clubs, diamonds, hearts, or Armani? <laughs> Uh, diamonds. You got it. You the got jack it. Of diamonds. I, Lots of I will never forget now. that crazy <laughs> cut at the end of like all these sharp <laughs> images of the jack of diamonds. That was only dropped only two, I believe. Two of seven, man. You 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 I got crushed lucky. it. Actually. I got so lucky. It was, I, I got very that, lucky. I have not seen most of those movies, so most of them are terrible. Yeah, most of them are pretty yeah. bad, so don't worry. So what is your fa what's your favorite poker movie? I mean, 
Rounders is the obvious answer, right? Because it's probably one of the only pure poker movies rather than a movie which features poker. There are plenty of good movies that feature poker. There are very few movies yeah. about the game of poker that are any good. Yeah. And sadly, movies like Lucky You, Deal, they're just, they're not yeah. great. They're not, not great. great. They're no the adults, that's for sure. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, Dustin, uh, one last question for you. I saw a name in the credits, uh, Chad Hardigan. Is yeah. this is this person related to James Hardigan over uh, here in any way? What did is Chad this my long lost cousin Chad? I didn't, I didn't think about that. Wow. No. Wow. What did Chad do on the movie? Yeah, yeah you tell me. I don't know. <laughs> well, tell Chad my third cousin five times okay. removed. I say hello. Okay. <laughs> Dustin, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks. While we stick with the subject of the adults who becomes this week's Superfan competition, now here's a hashtag fun fact. When this week's Superfan applied to be on the show, I noticed that he had a Jack Sinclair avatar on Discord. And I thought, <laughs> oh, he's clearly a fan of Jack Sinclair. Or maybe he wants us to think he's Jack Sinclair. Lo and behold, it turns out it is Jack Sinclair. Hello, Jack. The one option you never considered. Well, <laughs> technically, you did want us to think you're Jack Sinclair. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to hide it, <laughs> at the very least. We uh, are hey, always, <laughs> always thrilled when we have a legitimate, bona fide, successful professional poker player applying to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to go through the whole, the, the full normal process, you know, for, for the fans, you know, no special treatment here. <laughs> there's, no, was, there's no Nepo babies here, buddy. Yeah. I, I thought I could just slide in the DMs, get, get you know, shoved in next, next round. No, no. I had to wait, what, months? It's been months since I applied. Um, I, and I apologize. I didn't know who you were, despite <laughs> the rather obvious user handle and avatar. And when you look back on it, yes, it was a little bit naive on my part. Anyway, um, normally this is where we ask the super fans to tell us about themselves. But I think your resume is pretty well known, Jack. And when you were at the final table of EPT London last year, we also went into a lot of detail about your previous life in music. Yeah, that's right. Well, and my dad gave a very uh, succinct summary of, of my my life up until this point. So if uh, I mean, that's uh, he said it better than I could. So if you want to see that, that's the place to, to learn. How has 2023 been treating you? Obviously, you had those two big results last year, second in the Australia, second in the EPT main in London. How have the results been this year? Uh, well, <laughs> that's that's where the trail goes cold. Eh? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I had a decent result uh, online in January, um, and since then I've actually not been playing too much, to be honest. I played EPT Barcelona, but only main event. And uh, other than that, it's been pretty sparse. I've been—I uh, I got married, so that was the oh, big wow. year, so. Hey, congratulations! <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so so a bit, you know, been spreading my uh, attention elsewhere a bit. And I've been preparing for the Super Quiz Challenge, obviously. Of course. Right. I mean, of sorry, course. Su super fan quiz. Of course, <laughs> of course. Now, I know you're in London right now because the UKIPT is running at the Hippodrome. In fact, am I right in thinking that you are going to late reg the UKIPT High Roller so you can take part in this podcast? Well, that's what I thought. Actually, it turns out that they changed the schedule or I misunderstood it because actually it starts at four, not three. So maybe they pushed it back so we could um, get this in. 
Joe and I called them and asked them to push back yeah. the start time. Can I sell that's, that bluff? That's where we used your our clout. Not to get you in, but to move the entire start time of a tournament. Yeah. Um, and as the event is taking place at the Hippodrome, I'm assuming there will be a hippo on the table. I'll have to double check that I remembered to, to bring him because I wasn't, uh, I was a bit... Oh, GG, GG, Jack. Yeah, you're, you're but anyway, screwed. I mean, I don't. If I'm at the hippodrome, I don't need the hippo, right? It's too much hippo at that. Yeah, I the, have. I'll be fine. A lot of hippo, a lot of hippo. Yeah. Um, now, initially, Jack, I know you wanted to do Seinfeld. We have had a Seinfeld superfan in the past. We talked about picking a specific Seinfeld episode, but then you knew we were talking about the movie The Adults, so you volunteered to watch this movie. Um, did you make it through all 91 minutes? I, yeah, I, it was it was tough, but I finished it about uh, about fifteen minutes ago. So oh, uh, very I'm fresh in the memory. Very fresh in the memory. Yeah, I got you guys through the are, whole thing. You guys are crazy. It was I don't know. I uh, I mean, I, there's definitely some uncomfortable scenes in it, but uh, I don't know. I, I I I definitely didn't have a hard time finishing it. <laughs> oh, I just mean a hard time scheduling the start. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, oh okay. Because <laughs> my plan was to watch it on the plane, but then. My flight that would have had Wi-Fi got cancelled, and I ended up on an EasyJet flight instead. So I was a uh, bit stuck, not nothing, nothing to view uh, on the plane. So I had to do it this morning. But uh, yeah, I fit, what did I you think of the What did you think of the poker scenes, Jack? Uh, I thought well, they were the poker scenes were my favorite part of the film. I think they got they got the home game vibe quite spot on, especially Agreed. like thought- the you know, the, the players and everything and just sort of how everyone was acting. I thought that was quite, quite well done. And they, and I like that they didn't go too overboard with the actual action. You know, it was just like, you know, they didn't bother trying to like build a whole hand or whatever. Cause anytime that happens in a film, it's always questionable. What <laughs> Totally <laughs> you, agree. You know, who signed off on this as being a realistic hand. So yeah, yeah I, I thought the poker scenes were actually very good in the film. Well, the three of us have watched the movie. Patrick has watched the movie, and he's compiled a 10-question quiz. Two points if you can get the question right without the multiple-choice options. One point if you need to take the options. And worth highlighting that because we picked the specialist subject, Jack, you are playing for not one, but two bronze power passes. A power pass, a bronze power pass, can get you free entry into the Sunday Million. Have you ever played a poker tournament as big as the $109 Sunday Million? Uh, wow, big in terms of field size. I mean, if it's like the anniversary one, or big so, buy, like, big money. I mean, you know, yeah. very soon if you have a decent score in that, you might not have to fly EasyJet anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew, I knew I shouldn't have mentioned that. There's going to be a Poker News article tomorrow, like yeah, list of new broke poker players. <laughs> Jackson Claire on the EasyJet flight. Please tell me that as a high roller. Please tell me you paid for speedy boarding. <laughs> I paid for the the seat at the very front of the plane. Yes. And I paid to put a bag in the plane. Yes. At, but I refused to pay extra for a bigger carry-on bag because I, my bag fits perfectly in the dimensions that they specify for a small bag. So I refused to pay for that. And, and then speedy boarding was never presented to me as an option. Also, I think it did. I think you get speedy boarding if you're paying for extra for the seat in the front row. 
I, I don't think so. Well, oh, really? Oh. At, at the very least, I queued. So, so okay. I'm an idiot. If I if, uh, if that's if I had <laughs> did it, you, then I didn't know. Did about you it. pay to have access to the bathroom, or did you hold it the whole time? <laughs> it was not. It was not that long a flight. So okay. I. But I don't Smart. think they charge for that. Still, I think with no, I think no. I think we I, haven't reached. I that think it was yet. Ryanair that floated that as an idea a few years ago, and I think they realized very quickly that they would not get away with that. Let's get to the quiz, Jack. You get to go first. (laughs) You can tell me where on the board you want to go. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. Okay, I'm going to start with 10. Question number 10. It It is related to the poker scene, the very first poker scene in the movie. I don't need the suits, but what exact starting hand does Eric get called by and rivered by in that poker hand? That was a good old 7-3 offsuit. It was 7-3 offsuit for two points. And Joe... You can pick a number other than ten. Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll go nine then. I don't know. I don't know what Jack's strategy is, but I'm gonna try to match it. Okay, you're lucky number nine. That's right. Where does where is it revealed that Eric has moved to? Uh, Eric Eric has moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> Incorrect. Do you happen to know the answer, Jack? Portland. It was Portland, but you don't get to steal. But Joe. Huh. Well, what was the point in, in knowing that? Well, because you just get to prove how well you know the movie, having oh, watched okay, it 15 okay, minutes okay. ago. Okay, okay. Anyway, you're 2-0 up and you get your second question. All 1 right. through 8, available. Uh, okay, 7. What impression, which character is Eric impersonating when he tells his sisters he was robbed? Uh, the Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano for two points. And Joe? 1 uh, through 6 and 8. I'll take number three for some number reason. three. What's the name of the guy who Eric tracks down to try and play some poker? I think I'll know it when I hear it. I'll take the choices. Is it Josh, Bobby, Dennis, or Dwayne? Josh. No, it's Dennis. I would have said Josh. Okay, Josh was in the game, <laughs> but it was Dennis. He was. There's that hilarious scene where the barman doesn't understand that he's asking for Dennis. Remember? Of course. I do remember. Jack, one, two, four, five, six, or eight? So many options. Eight. What cocktail does Rachel make for the three siblings at two o'clock in the afternoon? A very appropriate cocktail is a Bloody Mary. Is a Bloody Mary for two points. I'm in big trouble. One, two, four, five, or six, Joe? Mm, I'll go middle now. Let's try six. Okay, it's a poker-related question. How much does Eric buy in for at the cash game in the warehouse? I'll take the choices. Does he buy in for $200, $500, $800, or $1,000? $200. You finally have a point. Well done. (laughs) Dignity has been salvaged, almost. One, two, four, or five, Jack? One. What was the name of their mother's late dog? I would not have remembered this. Uh, wait, I remember it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I know, but I'm not going to risk it. Tell me, okay, give me, give the me options the are Fluffy, Rosie, Lily, or Maya. It's Rosie. It that is, is the, Rosie for a point. Should have, should, have, should have trusted myself. Joe, your penultimate question. You can have two, four, or five. Uh, five. Where does Eric meet Amanda for the first time? 
Where does Eric meet Amanda for the first time? What he's actually thinking is, who the fuck is Amanda? <laughs> uh, I, 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 doesn't he meet Amanda at the poker game? Would you like the multiple choice options? Sure. I thought you deserve one mulligan. All right, fine. Does he meet Amanda at a party, a poker oh, game, right. a bowling alley, or the zoo? Amanda, he meets at the bowling alley. He does. I'm going to give you a point. It's oh, what wow. I like to call a wow. pity point. Wow, that's. I, I feel like I'm. I'm playing against. I thought this was heads up, James. Like this feels. I mean, Jack, you're meant to be systematic, buddy. You can't win. fucking lose. Uh, Assistance two, from the side there. Two oh, really? Wait, have I, have I won already? Is the pressure yes. off? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Yes, I, all I'm... you're doing right now is extending your margin of victory okay, and embarrassing okay. Vic Joe further. Ah, uh, okay, victory lap. Okay, fine. Right. Okay, and in that case, give him two points. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like question two or question four as your final question, just to prove how much you know about this movie? Good old deuce. Okay. What household chore sparks a fight between Eric and Rachel? Vacuuming. It or does indeed. Hoovering. Hoovering. There we yeah. go. So you scored a total of nine points. Joe, your final question. What movie does Eric reference when talking about his first experience with death? The Lion King. There you go. Two points. You got four with a little bit of help. Nine, though, for Jack. Congratulations. You are a winner. You have challenged Joe. You have won. You will get two bronze power passes but also we are going to give you an exclusive poker in the ears t-shirt and an exclusive mug of your choice yes finally mug <laughs> of my choice wait, wait, wait mug of my choice well Jack it's either the, black... is the mug of my choice it's either the black poker in the ears mug or it's the white always coming seven mug the choice wow. is yours well, but you don't, have to, you don't yeah. have to decide now we'll be in Good. touch we'll get your details and we'll sort out your prizes wonderful well thank you very much um it do Quick question though, is me winning these two bronze passes taking it away from some other poor soul that isn't isn't a, already a professional nah, player? Because I don't want to stick. No, I mean there will be someone on next week who'll have the chance to win a power pass, and someone will come on the week after that. We, okay. it, you're not you're not you're not taking it away from anyone. That's very nice uh, of you to ask, though, buddy. What a what a sweetheart. I don't feel so bad about how hot you ran during that game. I won't. I won't be. Hey, I, it was pure strategy. I, I knew which numbers were going to be the softballs ahead of time. It's it a skill game. Easy. It's a skill yeah. game. Uh, Jack, good luck at UKIPT London. Uh, I might see you at the Hippodrome later on. Yeah, hopefully I last longer than a couple of hours and I'll be still in still in the mix when you arrive. See you then. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, my babies. That's just about all the time we have got for this week's show. Coming up next time, suck in your guts, brush your teeth, tuck in your shirts. We got a big shot coming on the show. That's right. PokerStars just hired a brand new VP in charge of North America, and he's asked us if he can come on the show and clue us into what sorts of things we can be expecting with the return of the NAPT in November. Um, you know, not that I don't want to have him on the show, but when the new VP says, I want to come on the show, you're like, what date, sir? So <laughs> and it seems... Like a good time, because I really think we're going to start ramping up the countdown to Vegas when we get to the end of September. And there is going to be a lot going on in November, because you've got the NAPT, you've got the Formula One Grand Prix. You and I have been working behind the scenes on some really exciting things. I don't think we'll be able to mention them all next week. Maybe 
our guest will allude to them. Um, but also, a couple of other things to mention about next week's show. Obviously, Howard's back. More from our WCOOP correspondent. And I will be joining you live from Pokestars Island. I will be on the Isle of Man when I speak to you next week. Oh, wow. Do you got a big meeting over there or what? Ironically, I think it's a meeting with our guests. So we'll probably both be on the Isle of Man, but in different rooms. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, cool. Um, maybe I should put you guys in touch, too, so you can work some things out ahead of time. It might be good for us all to be on the same page for once instead of just me dealing with the guests. Anyway, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Don't forget to chat with us on the Discord. Uh, I'm trying to get a little bit more involved there myself. So uh, you know where the link is. It's in the podcast description. That's it for this week, though. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I'm Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Smell you later.